I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their phantoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am rapidly adjusting to the cold here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and joining me on the other line, lounging in the satellite branch from scenic Hamilton, it's your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Caitlin, how many blankets can we pile on me, McKinnon? How many blankets because can I- we pile on her? <laughs> Too many, apparently, according to Christopher. I have too many blankets. And I basically am just like a a shambling mound of just like going from like room to room with hot tea. You are Joey Tribbiani in that episode of Friends where he wore all of Chandler's clothes simultaneously. But for you, it's just blankets. Yeah. You're just hobbling Um, around hobbling around so, your home like a sasquatch just when i am when i am on the couch sometimes he tries to put his feet under because i have all the blankets so to get warm he must like come closer to me did you not uh, get sorry, did you not get an electric blanket specifically for this reason yeah it's great so can't that replace some of the other 19 blankets you have on you like well well no because that's sort of like for the full bottom effect and then for the top so this is what's happened. Oh God. I've turned into my father. <laughs> I don't want to turn the heat up for the entire house. Oh yeah. Cause you pay, so, you're paying for it now. I don't have that problem. I know. I'm, I'm cranking it in here all day, every day. And yeah. And I see the bills, I pay them and I'm like, <laughs> that money could go to snacks. <laughs> so am I a shambling mound of blankets or, and have snacks or am I relatively comfortable walking around my house in normal people clothes without snacks? It's a very tough decision. I mean, it's a hard position to argue against, y'all. You know, this is a very pro-snack podcast. <laughs> We've devoted entire episodes to them in the past. Anyway, friends, this is episode 299 of the Geek Down Podcast. <laughs> if you'd like to listen to any of our other 298 episodes, take yourself blanketed to wherever you get your audio content. Be it Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, or Stitcher, reach out from under your blankets or just mash a blanketed hand on your phone to follow, rate, review, subscribe to this program. Henceforth, new episodes will be brought to your device. You do not need to leave the house to go get them because clearly you are not interested in doing that with your 700 pounds of blankets. And you won't have to because you can just continue to lie swaddled on your couch. And episodes will be brought to you from the back of a rainbow main alicorn named Philip by your mans. Dr. Chauncey Frostelicus III, Geek Down Internet Elf, and Avid Knitter. Avid Knitter. Mm-hmm. Mm, when you pick that one up? Oh, gosh. Years ago. Why do you think that uh, Philip has a full knitted, like, cardigan? <laughs> Philip has a, um, that takes a lot. I mean, he's not a small animal. No. I mean, it covers everything, basically. <laughs> it's the wings, the horn, like, just to keep him, you know, nice and cozy. Chauncey nonplussed by the cold. The same cannot be said for Philip, so it's very considerate that Chauncey is taking precautions to make sure his equine friend is toasty warm this yeah. winter. That's the kind of elf Chauncey is. That's why he cares. That's why you get your episodes every week. 
Friends, if you would like to thank Chauncey or ask for uh, patterns that you can attempt this holiday season, you can still, for the time being, while it burns around us, find us on twitter.com slash geekdumpod. That is where we are living. We have no, I'm not paying $8 for the check mark, so I mean, I can't, I can't, if someone else wants to and impersonate us, that would actually be very flattering to me. If someone ever wanted to impersonate us on, on Twitter, that would be kind of amazing. I don't think they would have our wit and charm, personally. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, really. I feel like we're not that hard to impersonate, but you know what? Only settle for the real thing, yo. So you are much more in, like, the Twitter world. I get, like, snippets of it. Mm-hmm. Um, from like YouTube where yeah. people are like, Twitter's on fire and it's amazing. Oh, it's a fucking disaster um, right now. It is a disaster. It's literally yeah. watching like, obviously like Twitter is not as essential as like the rainforest, but it's like literally like watching like a natural disaster happen around you. It's like, it's literally, what, what was the best tweet early when the whole, when the whole Twitter blue subscription thing started <laughs> that ridiculous nonsense. I forgive me. I cannot remember who the original, uh, author of the tweet was but it was twitter right now is like playing the violin on the titanic but everyone's making fun of the iceberg and the iceberg is getting real mad about it um the best thing i saw was the um person impersonating tesla (laughs) that's just like ragging for like six hours on elon musk and they could not do anything about it because they fired all the staff just like chef's kiss Another best one I saw was when, I don't know what, Elon, like, was, like, making bad cracks at, like, a U.S. senator who, like, pointed out, like, three of your companies are under federal investigation for, like, you know, killing people or, you know, janky security, you know, janky financial dealings, allegedly, allegedly. So maybe, you know, you just spend more time worrying about that and less time, you know, quote, replying to people on Twitter. And then somebody replied to that by saying, normally, if you get roasted that bad, you have to drive a Tesla. Oh. bump. Oh. Anyway, someone called the burn word. It's a disaster. And I don't know what's going to be left of it or if we'll even still be there this time next year or this time next month. But friends, for the moment, let's all go down together. Twitter.com slash geek dump. That's where we're living. We'll see you on Tumblr in 2023. If you would like to uh, help us get on that Twitter blue life, it's only eight bucks a month. If three of you throw three bucks in the old tip jar at ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod, we can go out verified, y'all. Yeah, we can get a fancy check mark. A fancy check mark. That is ultimately, like, that's like the, like, epitome of the hubris involved here, where, like, Elon was like, the check mark is just a status symbol. We're going to democratize that. You know, anybody can, if you want to pay the subscription, then you can get a blue check and we'll, we're going to level the playing field. And then everybody bought a blue check and changed their screen names to Elon Musk, Chiquita Banana, like <laughs> the the company that owns insulin, like um, the company that owns insulin oh, one, the Eli, yeah. Lilly, Eli Lilly, is that the name? Like yeah, the guy like changes his name, says insulin is now free. <laughs> the actual company stock plummets and wipes out like a billion do- over a billion dollars from their market cap in yeah. a day because the blue check was meant to illustrate that this was the official account of whatever the person or company was. Yep. And people told you that <laughs> beforehand. But you were just like, meh, shoulder shrug. 
imagine that like every day for the past two weeks. It's just been something to that effect. And that's what life on Twitter has been like. <sighs> Katie Mac, how's your life otherwise? Uh, it's that it's that weird time after halloween quite a bit before christmas where everyone's trying to be like it's christmas season and i'm telling them to go f themselves you know what um you know what what i have a controversial take for you oh no you've gone to the dark side so we know how i feel about life at major canadian retailer right now and just the yeah the way that this holiday season is just grinding my bones to dust every day. Y'all, you may or may not know that, but I generally do most, the bulk of my work, the bulk of my day happens before the store opens. I'm only in the building when customers are around about three hours out of my day. It's glorious. We don't generally have the like, you know, radio on in the store. The store music is not on. Everybody's just kind of listening to the music on their phones um, or podcasts or what have you. This podcast, all the time, everyone, all the time. So I generally don't hear the in-store radio very often, but I stepped out Mm -hmm. onto the floor on, I guess it was Saturday. Uh, Saturday was the 12th, right? And I stepped out onto the floor, and I can't remember what holiday tune I heard. Might have been some sort of, you know, jazzy, slow jazz rendition of Silver Bells or something. And I stopped... And I kind of looked up at the at the ceiling where the speaker was, and then I gave the uh, the downturned mouth nod of approval. I said, "All right, you know what? I'll rock with that. I'll fucks with that." Jordan, let's go. Let's fucking go. Let's just do it. Jordan, stop fighting Jordan? it, Kate. You'll be so much happier. Stop fighting it. Jordan, put the tree up. Put the tree up now. Jordan, Jordan, <laughs> Jordan. Just do it. Hang a Jordan? wreath. Hang a wreath. Jordan, put a little Jordan. Re- put a little red hat on. <laughs> Jordan. A little headband with some mistletoe on it. Jordan. Yeah, Kate. You're a horrible human being. <laughs> I don't, don't care anymore. Don't care. Let's fucking go. It's objectively. No, because. Christmas no, because and summer. Is... It's like, listen, you you already extend the holiday season to like January 28th. I don't understand why yeah. you would be have a problem going in the other direction. Like Because it's too long and it just loses all magic. It just becomes, I don't mind near the end of November. That's when the like Santa Claus parade is, which there's some is happening this weekend, some next weekend. Like I can understand starting to get, you know, your kids like get their list written and like, you know, Maybe making some plans for the holidays, but like fully just leaning in. I just feel like yeah. it just, it's, it's fucking, that means it's like two months fucking go. of I'm saving Vince holidays. Gra- saving Vince Garaldi on my phone as soon as we're done this podcast. So I have it tomorrow. Let's go. Let's fucking go. Did it's ever, too much. Did I ever tell you my story about the Santa Claus parade? I feel like I must have told it on the podcast before, but it's not actually about the Santa Claus parade, but I had done probably like the setup shift at Major Canadian Retailer. Mm-hmm. And I had, uh, I had worked like you do it over, you did it overnight back then, right? You'd go to like 10, at, 10 PM at night and leave at six in the morning. And we finished on a Sunday. We did it Saturday night to Sunday morning. And so I'm exhausted. It's cold. The actual location of major Canadian retailer is like kind of on the outskirts of the city. So it's like kind of desolate. It's just like car dealerships. There's nothing really out there. And there's one bus cause it's a Sunday and the subway don't run till nine on Sundays. Which is ridiculous. I know you have to. It's do. a tr- it's a travesty. I know, I know you have to do maintenance, but I mean, God, you call yourself a world class city and you don't have a subway that starts on Sunday until after nine o'clock. Pull your head out of your it's ass, ridiculous. Toronto. But 
I'm, I'm, oh, we're back to regional talk. I love it. What? Have you guys missed that? Have you guys no idea what we're talking about? Y'all no problem. Numbers go through the roof when we complain about the Toronto Transit Commission. But I'm standing <laughs> there and I'm I'm waiting for the single bus that will take me back to my neighborhood. And I'm looking down the road and I suddenly see cresting on the horizon a giant Pikachu coming down the street. And I realize, oh God, it's every float for the fucking Santa Claus parade is ahead of my bus. The top speed, the max speed of a Pikachu float, 20 clicks maybe. Maybe, that's if what, you're lucky. With the pedal buried at the bottom of the chicken wire, that's about as fast as that thing's going. <laughs> so I got to watch the entire... I guess like I got my own mini Santa Claus break because every float went by me. And I was like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> and then the bus pulled up. And then my bus crept along behind every float. <laughs> Until like Dundas Street. And I was like, well, this is just, this is just fantastic. <sighs> Having the best day ever. Hey, like you said, you got your own mini uh, Santa Claus parade. You were technically part of the parade for a while. I was. Yeah. <laughs> On a TTC bus, the saddest float ever. <laughs> uh, Listen, but I, I was out there. I had, I had a lovely weekend with someone cute. Missed her a lot. Hadn't seen her. Hadn't got to spend some quality time with her in a while. And I was having a fabulous weekend. We went to HomeSense at one point. <gasps> They got the dec- got the decorations all out. And I'm sizing it I'm up. Sorry, I'm sorry, like, that was a legitimate gas. I was like, ooh, home sense. <laughs> I was like, that was full on. That's as girly as I get. As it I'm should. Like, ooh, home sense. As it should be. <gasps> and man, yeah, we were just. And then we went to Canadian Tire after that. Oh, just all the best domestic errands. And yeah. And like, listen, the, the shit's out there. And I was feeling it. Let's go. Let's fucking go. Friends, maybe I'm so interested in being. Happy this week because we do have some very sad news to talk about in the front half of the show. I mean, I might let Kate drive this one a little bit because I frankly still haven't processed it and like what this news ultimately means for me. I just know it means a lot. But uh, Kate, we got word over the weekend that it's I'm not even there's no hyperbole here. Legendary voice actor, Kevin Conroy, who voiced, most notably voiced Batman in two generations worth of media, uh, had passed away at the age of 66 after a short battle with cancer. And that's such a huge loss. It's not, I mean, people always like to debate who the best Batman is. That's not even a discussion for me. And I assume probably not for you either. Like there's only yeah. one Batman. Like, um, so I, the only correction I need to make is it wasn't two generations. It was three. It was 30 years. He played Batman. That's when it started. That's when animated series it was started. 1992. Damn. And he like this, that specific series ended in 1995 but then we had batman beyond and we had a ton of movies and video games and he did the voice for so long and he still was sort of reprising his role from time to time um and you know i know you know we talked about how twitter's a you know a, a trash fire and and all of that but you you can tell when people make statements about the passing of kevin conroy at just like how much they like cared and how much people loved him and loved working with him, that he was like a, you know, uh, a real 
like spark, right? And he really touched people, you know, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's so weird. And he was so young. He really, it really was. 60, yeah, 66 um, is too fucking young, but. Yeah, and, and cancer sucks, man. Just like, it sucks. And yeah, I just, he, he, so a lot of people don't know that Kevin Conroy was actually gay. And he has talked several times about how his challenges with being a gay man, um, he fed some of that into the character of Bruce Wayne mm. and just having a double life mm. and having keeping people at bay, hiding things from the people he loved the most, um, being scared to let them in. Um, and I think that's, I mean, there were so many things about the, you know, Batman, the animated series um show that were amazing but i think that performance the nuance of that performance legitimately comes through um i still marvel at the writing of that show it was so ahead of its time for kids television um and i think they just they he was just this amazing bright spot of voice acting and he opened the door for so many other actors as well um and so it's gonna be really sad to think of him being gone. Like I low key when, even when they really started cranking out like the animated adaptations of like modern classic Batman stories, whether it was like under the red hood or killing joke or stuff like that. If he didn't do the voice, I low key wasn't interested. Yeah. It was, it was a real hard jump for me to accept a version of Batman. Like I, I don't think it's hyperbole for me to say that I, loved Batman because of Kevin Conroy and less to do with the character and more to do with his performance as the character. Um, I think what really highlights this is um, just in just a, the Wikipedia article for Kevin Conroy. Um, I'm just want to read this, this bit. Um, so Mark Hamill, people should know by now plays probably the, the best Joker, which was played opposite of Kevin Conroy's Batman. Mm. Um, and uh, Hamill says, when they offer me roles now, I say, is Kevin doing it? I don't even have to read the script. If Kevin's doing it, I'll do it. Hmm. And I think that just speaks to, like, you know, the relationship they all had together and what a great guy he was. And, like, even in, like, the Arkham games for uh, the last generation of video game systems, like, he did the voice, him and Hamill did the voices there. Like just, he did, I think that's very apt. He was like a stamp of quality, you know, like to me anyway, it was like, if he was doing it, I would at least, I would check it out because I trusted his judgment in which Batman roles he would take. He knew the character so mm -hmm. well. And like you said, the, I don't know if he was, he probably was not the first person. He's probably one of the first people to approach first actor to approach the Batman character as like Bruce Wayne is the costume. Right. I mean, um, you saw it in a little bit of Tim Burton's Batman where, um, uh, oh my gosh, you can do it. I can do it. Can I do it? Um, uh, no, I can't do it. <laughs> Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. 
<laughs> Michael Keaton. Uh, I tried so hard to. Um, <laughs> where, you know, he did two voices, one for Bruce Wayne, one for Batman. Yes. Or is Adam West? It was the same. It was the same <laughs> right, guy. Right. Um, well, Kevin Conroy did that in the animated series. He was the first one to do that in anything animated. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, you saw it was really people don't realize how like impactful that Batman was. We got to spend a lot more time with that Batman, but definitely that side of the like schmoozing Bruce Wayne, um, the, the difference in character was so much. And you're absolutely right. He totally played Bruce Wayne as the costume and Batman was the, the dark, uh, you know, insides of that character. Um, so there was an article on, uh, Gizmodo, um, where readers had kind of sent in their favorite moments, um, in his career voicing the character. Um, there's moments from like Mask of the Phantasm and that Justice League Unlimited episode where, uh, the young girl is going to die. The Royal Flush Gang, um, the ace character who's kind of been like remaking the world and he makes it seem like he's going to go take her out, but he just sits with her um, while she passes naturally. And, but the moment that's included here, that is probably one of my top five moments is when Superman is impersonating Batman (laughs) (laughs) or Bruce Wayne has gone missing and, and it's Robin and Superman in the Batman costume impersonate. So it's Kevin Conroy as Superman impersonating Batman. And it's so funny and fantastic. And, (laughs) Um, it's not a moment, but probably the episode that stands out or one of them that stands out the most for me is season one of Batman, the animated series. It's called the forgotten. Mm. It's when he goes undercover to, Oh, Batman doing detecting. (laughs) Um, he goes undercover to figure something out and he forgets who he is. Mm. Um, and it was just, it's such an incredible, episode um every so often i rewatch it because it's just so good so rest in peace does not do enough uh thank you does not do enough the man personified one of the favorite one of the best performances in media of my lifetime and has meant was always just such a steady steadfast presence in my life, I guess it's, that's why I say I'm not, I'm not, I haven't, I haven't fully reckoned with the fact that like, I'm not going to hear his voice as Batman anymore. Um, yeah. and it's funny. I have a, when I finally bought a PlayStation, I bought a copy of Arkham Knight. It was the one game I hadn't played. And for some reason I just never started playing it. I got caught up in other games or whatever. So I've never played Arkham Knight, but I will. Yeah. Cause I might have to take a pause for a few weeks while I, uh, Swing around Gotham with uh, Kevin Conroy's voice in my head. So, ah, very sad, very sad, and he will surely be missed. Kate, yeah, you know the drill. Save it to the end. What else you watched this week? Um, I watched Paddington. What did you? So, what? I... A, what a welcome pivot from that very sad story. <laughs> Tell me about Paddington. I... I ran across a short video essay about how Paddington and Paddington 2 
are masterpieces, specifically People, Paddington 2. Listen, I've been hearing this. I've heard this for years that Paddington 2 is like a fucking masterpiece. Well, you better be prepared for all your Christmas cheer, motherfucker. Oh, boy. Back to back. Back to back. I've only seen Paddington. I haven't seen Paddington 2 yet. Um, but I was, we randomly saw this thing and senior correspondent Chris and I looked at each other and we were like, yeah, yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> so, yes. So it was great. It was fun. Uh, there was like, there wasn't bad toilet humor. It was just very British. <laughs> um, but it was, it, there was not a bit of fat on this movie. It was, it was just a fun, it's a great family film. Fantastic. And the visuals were amazing as well. And the music was great. And it was just, it was a lot of fun. And it's a great November film because it ends just as like the Christmas season is starting. And I always love films that I can like watch in between seasons. Um, so yes, that, that makes it also amazing and just good timing. Um, I have, I watched all of season seven of Shetland, I'm so glad I waited because <laughs> the actor, and I'm so sorry, everyone's going to come for me. Um, the actor who plays the main character, Jimmy Perez, who is, that is the, uh, uh, Douglas Henshaw. This is his last season on the show. Mm. So in the books, it's the, it's this main character. Um, I think the writer's name is Anne Cleves. She wrote these Shetland books. He, there's like, oh God, like 20, 25 of them. I don't so know. many of them. So many of them. Um, and obviously as an actor, like he's been doing it for 10 years. There wasn't any bad blood. He was just like, you know what? A lot's happened to this guy. I want to move on as an actor. And they did something amazing. Spoilers. They gave him a happy ending. On a British <laughs> crime die. show. He didn't die. He didn't get like mutilated or tortured or like, you know, he didn't lose a family. Like he took he his just, pen, he took his pension check and went off to the cottage. He he made a decision that made, made meant he sort of like ended his career, but it was like a a decision that freed someone who should be freed. Um and he got to be with the girl and they go off and live happily ever after and yeah. I'm, and, and there's a, a character I love called Tosh, and I'm hoping that she sort of takes up the mantle, though they're, they're probably going to have to, you know, have other characters come in. And I, I hope season eight is amazing, but everyone else is like wanting to continue. And yeah, I'm just, I'm, it was, it was such a, it was a great season of television. I've been watching a YouTube or is it YouTube show? Do we have a name for it? YouTube series? YouTube series? Series? Um, it's basically called it's called Tasting History with Max Miller, um, and he basically makes ancient or classic recipes, and then talks about the history of it, and then tries it at the end. They're like maybe twenty minutes, um, so they're not like these hour hour and a half things. They're not only, you know, they're not shorts. They're just like a good in-between time. Mm. Um, and they're fascinating. And he he's great at what he does. I know he put out a book a little while ago, or maybe it's coming out now. It's on like pre-order or something. But yeah, he's just, he's like a lot of fun to hang out with. And he makes some really interesting things. And as a lover of food and history, um, it's just a really good combo for me. 
Um, other thing, I went to a game night this weekend, um, and we played a classic game. And so many people are going to be like, yeah, that game's been around forever, but I've never played it called Hero Quest. Okay. Hero Quest is like a structured, pared down version of Dungeons and Dragons. You get a little miniature, you go through a dungeon, there's a dungeon master, but you get like who, like a little card that explains your powers. And that that's sort of like it. And you like fight monsters together. Um, it was fast. It was quick. If you have younger kids and you're kind of thinking of getting them interested in Dungeons and Dragons, this is definitely the game for you. It's like super easy to explain. We all picked it up in a couple minutes. Um, it was tons of fun. And this game came out in like the early 90s. Oh, really? It was obvious. Yeah, it was obviously in development in the 80s from people who like love Dungeons and Dragons. But yeah, it's super simple and um, tons of fun. And there's a huge community out there that have like written supplements and homebrewed stuff and made their own equipment. And, and it's a game where you have levels. So like we only did the first level, but if you stayed and came back the next week, you could do the heart, the next hardest dungeon. And after you get certain amount of gold, you can buy certain items to make you tougher and, it was just, it was tons of fun. We all had a blast. Um, and finally, I've been reading a book. A book? I know. Good Lord. I know. It's ridiculous. I've had, I've, I've been able to read a book and not fall asleep, which is <laughs> kind of been the problem for the last little while is I am sort of exhausted all the time. But um, on the bus, I've started to read the um Thompson Highway, his newest book, which is called Laughing with the Trickster, which from what I understand is a, uh, a adaptation of uh, like a talk he gave. Mm. Um, it's the full name of it. Just give me a second. Is Laughing with the Trickster on Sex, Death, and Accordions. And really, it's a lot of it is about um, myth and language um and sort of explaining the differences and talking about him being bilingual and like how that makes it so he can sort of see the world in these different iterations um and yeah it's just it's been really fascinating so far and um for those of you who don't know he Thompson Highway is a very famous um indigenous canadian um he's a playwright he writes books he writes children's books um and, um, anyways, it's, I don't think I've ever written, read anything by Thompson Highway before. Um, but this has been a really awesome, awesome read and I will let everyone know how it goes. And that's been everything. Well, not really. Well, no, not really, but you told me to say it for the end. So start the clock y'all. Caitlin, clock. I want to read you something. Yeah. Okay. I want to read you. Some dialogue that happens after one of Luthen Rael's operatives who's working as a double agent at the ISB. That's sort of the Imperial Intelligence Agency. Mm-hmm. Requests a meet because he wants out. He gives him a bunch of information, but he's like, I got a kid now. I can't be doing this anymore. And Luthen basically says, nah, <laughs> you're not going anywhere. No. And in his frustration, this ISB double agent asks Luthen, played by Stellan Skarsgård, 
what is he sacrificing? And I would like to read, read, I'm not going to perform it, but I just want to read what he says. And if you listen to this and still don't want understand why we are rhapsodizing about Andor every week for the past 10 weeks, I literally have nothing left for you. This is what he this is what he says when asked what is he sacrificing? Calm, kindness, kinship, love. I've given up all chance at inner peace. I've made my mind a sunless space. I share my dreams with ghosts. I wake up every day to an equation I wrote 15 years ago from which there's only one conclusion. I am damned for what I do. My anger, my ego, my unwillingness to yield, my eagerness to fight, they've set me on a path from which there is no escape. I yearn to be a savior against injustice without contemplating the cost, and by the time I looked down, there was no longer any ground beneath my feet. What is my sacrifice? I'm condemned to use the tools of my enemy to defeat them. I burn my decency for someone else's future. I burn my life to make a sunrise that I'll never see. No, the ego that started this fight will never have a mirror or an audience or the light of gratitude. So what do I sacrifice? Everything. I got chills just reading that off a fucking page, Caitlin. I can one-up you. Only one way out, Caitlin. There's only one way out. You want want me to one-up you? Sure. I can't swim. What does that even mean? Is he okay? Uh, I don't think so. I think what it meant to me was... Even though he knew there was only one way out, he saw everyone in front of him and knew there was there was no, nothing for him, and he he made that choice anyway and got them out. And to me, I'm like, oh, he can't swim. He can't swim. He said he also. It's this weird juxtaposition of. Stellan Skarsgård's character put put it into words, but they both sacrificed everything. Yeah. Just Bo Willeman wrote that episode. He's the, I believe he's the creator of House of Cards um, from years back. Well, it shows, doesn't it? Just fucking like, it is, like we said the other week, like you can talk about it being the best Star Wars show. You can talk about it being the best genre science fiction show. It's in the discussion of best shows, period. I'm just, I'm telling you the things this show is doing, the things it makes you think about. This was the jailbreak episode. Finally action packed while also, you know, it even had some like game of Thrones shit in there with the Mon Mothma piece where like the the scumbag (laughs) comes and is like trying to apparently, you know, the society she comes from, they, they pair up the marriages. They arrange the marriages real early. And real young, and Mans was trying to line that up, not so subtly, and she wasn't having it. So what's that mean for her money situation? Like, a million things still juggling and still in the air. I'm captivated every week. I've never been this excited for, for a new episode of a show to come. I'm never more bummed than when a show is over, like, Right? It is. Every week I go, I want another episode. <laughs> I need to know. Just, I know some of y'all hear Star Wars or you hear, you know, 
spy show or a lack of lightsabers and you think it's not going to be compelling and that would be incorrect watch and you would be wrong and or's <laughs> rad there the clock is done <laughs> it's a, or weekly i clock. like that cap on it that's a good just like boop and or's rad and or's rad what else did i get it to well also top of the above the fold headline for the week spending the weekend with someone cute Let's go see a movie, Kate. Let's go see a movie. <gasps> saw a movie? I saw a movie. Caitlin, I saw the yeah. mo- I saw the movie. How was the of movie? Of the week. This is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Which sidebar, uh, just because of, I picked it more for the timing. It was a 5, 5 p.m. screening that had decent, uh, decent room available still. Mm-hmm. And it was the VIP option. Oh, nice. Caitlin... Yeah. For as infrequently as I see movies in a theater, Mm -hmm. I will never see a movie not VIP again. Right? It's like when people tell me that they've finally, like, they're older and they finally went, like, flew first class. (laughs) And they're like, I can literally never fly another way ever again. Why would I do anything else? Y'all, this is is first class movie experience. It's like recliners. There was a seat heater in this thing that I hit hit accidentally and I thought I was having a stroke. I'm like, why are my... (laughs) Why are my thighs hot? What's happening? Um, I get upset when my thighs aren't hot. <laughs> As established. I don't know if they'll let you bring your 19 blankets into the theater. but um, Yeah, and this is like weighted uh, snack service. Tell the, man's, tell the man's what you want. He comes back with your popcorn and your drink. You've got a little slidey tray. There's nobody like bumping up against you. It's like your own little area. Oh, my God. Oh my God! Why yeah. would I? Why would I ever not do this again? Um, but anyway, yes, Wakanda Forever, the Black Panther sequel. How do we say it's definitely? If you are a fan of any MCU stuff, it is essential viewing. But I will probably never watch it again. Okay. Not because it wasn't good, but because it's it's not too heavy. I won't say it's too. I mean, it's heavy. Obviously, it's not too heavy. But it's a movie that has to make room for the cast to process the loss of the character and for the audience yeah. to process the loss of the actor. Right. That's a lot. That for, is a lot. For a popcorn movie to do, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would suggest that it succeeds. The conflict made sense. The tweak to Namor or Namor's character um, make a lot of sense. He was great. Too many whales. We knew this. We knew this going in. I get it. You like whales. They're useful. Every five minutes, I got another fucking whale going by. Uh, so, many, but at least you could snuff your face with snacks. So many. At least I had a. At least I had a nice, fluffy recliner to stick my stick my face in whenever they came by. Music fantastic. Your man Ludwig, who does the Mandalorian and a bunch of stuff. He did. He did the score here, like he did the score on the first one. Um, the scene where Shuri and sees. Um, it's not Atlantis in the movie, it's Talokan. Um, when she sees that city for the first time, the song that's playing is gorgeous. That whole scene is just beautiful to look at. And I mean, what I find really interesting about this is, I mean, shouts to Letitia Wright because this was not the plan. No. She got this thrown at her out of circumstance and necessity and... Which is reflected in the movie, I feel. She did the damn thing. 
she carried. She had to, because she had to. Yeah. Given the character she's playing in that circumstance, it's, it's what she had to do. It's a surprisingly women centric movie. Yeah. Not, I saw that a bit in the trailers. Not just for the, I mean, you take into fact that yes, Shuri is the lead. You also have the Dora Milaje are playing a, you know, key role. Angela Bassett as the queen is playing a key role. You have the introduction of Riri Williams um, in there as well. And I will not spoil anything about the movie. I will just um, save y'all the trouble. There is no end end scene. There's no after the credits, which I kind of thought might happen. Like this is not the movie to set up Thunderbolts. Like, (laughs) Right. You, know, you are pro- especially the final scenes are like a lot of like processing. So there's a very light mid credit scene. Um and then that's it. So you don't have to sit through the you don't have to sit through the next, you know, seven minutes of credits after that. You can go. Um yeah, but I mean we we some of us do anyway because we're weirdos <laughs> like that, but but you won't see anything you're, at the you're, end. You're them ones. The ushers are just sitting at the bottom of the stairs. Like they, they've, they've already seen it like nine times. And they're like, can y'all just go like, I'm trying to clean. I have paid a lot for this movie. Clean. I will sit in these stairs <laughs> until I goddamn well, please. Uh, so yeah, Black Panther, super dope. Um, despite the whales. Other thing I wanted to mention, I talked about Neko Golf last week. There was one detail about Neko Golf, which was a little uh, dumb iPhone golf game that I'm playing uh, that I forgot to mention. And that is, it's the nicest game in the world. And by that, I mean, when you play like battle mode, which is where you play against another player. Yeah. You can't talk or chat. You just have like little, you know, emotes and reacts that you can use, whether it's like a clapping emoji or, you know, one of the characters in a chibi form making a little face or just little words like nice shot or whatever. Everyone is so nice and supportive. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is if, nice. If you, if you fuck up, I, you get the, like, so close. <laughs> it's just so nice and encouraging. Everybody's so nice on Neko Golf. If you hit a good shot, they'll give you the, the little, like, excited, like, amped up emoji. It's like, it's just real nice. Anyway, play Neko Golf. <laughs> It's real nice. It's the nicest game ever. Um, what else? I watched Training Day. I mean, again, someone cute hadn't seen Training Day, so we watched that Which this weekend. Which to me blows my mind. She hadn't seen it beginning to end, shall we say. She, I mean, obviously she had seen a lot of the key scenes and, and moments, but just hadn't hadn't crossed her path fully for whatever reason. So we watched that. She well, had. I'm glad you rectified that. I'm glad you. It's a wild movie, but. it's Oh, a wild Holds up. Would say it holds up. Um, Reservation Dogs wrapped their season. It was beautiful. I feel like I'm not giving it enough shine for how good it is, but I mean, like, watch Reservation Dogs. That show was so good. Um, it had a real beautiful uh, closing episode. Um, Neil Brennan, former co-creator of Chappelle Show and stand-up comic and writer, and I believe we talked about his last special way back on the show called Three mm-hmm. Mics. He's got a new special on Netflix called Blocks, which is basically... He's got, uh, he's on the stage with a bunch of like wooden cutouts of things that like represent his life, whether it's like women or social media or fame or money or family. Um, not the easiest hang. Man's has got a lot of, a lot of trauma he carries <laughs> that he's trying to work out through his comedy. Um, 
it's not too dark, but it gets a little dark. Um, but I would still, I think so I watched it with someone cute and I think we both felt it was like a slow burn that came together at the end. Okay. Had some good, had some good little one-liners or some laughs here and there, but it really came together in an affecting way at the end. So I would recommend it for that, that alone. Uh, to wrap it up, I watched a lot of vice content this week. Okay. Both on, uh, on streaming and on YouTube. Uh, the YouTube element was I started getting recos for the series Vice does called the story of, and the story, the stories of are just yes. of like millennial, uh, one hit wonders <laughs> from like the eighties and nineties. Yes. So it's like, never going to give you up. It's because I got high. It's blue by FL 65. It's who let the dogs out. It's, it wasn't it's really me, good. But it wasn't me by Shaggy. And they're just really well done, short 25 minute, like documentaries. They talk to everybody mm-hmm. involved. Um, that just kind of frame where these songs come from and kind of why they were hits. And, and they're always real informative. And I, I always end up learning something. So and that content, that's all we can ask for. That content's just there. It's just there and it's free. So, I mean, enjoy. Uh, and the last thing and I we, want- we know this, this podcast is pro learning as well as snacks. We are pro learning, pro snacks, eat some Doritos and read a book. That's the geek down in a nutshell. Uh, and the last thing I want to talk about, I believe this is sort of, um, replacing dark side of the ring to a certain extent. Um, this is on crave from vice Canada. It's called tales from the territories. Friends before the WWE was the wrestling monolith that ran from coast to coast professional wrestling operated as a loose group of territories, which meaning there were different promoters who ran events and had wrestlers working in different areas of the U S Canada, Mexico. It was turf. Basically every, every territory, every company had their own turf. That was the wild West of wrestling. This is before the world was not quote unquote smart to the business. Then like people didn't know it was predetermined. People didn't know it was predetermined that the outcome was predetermined there. They were watching it, that they were being worked. Um, this is obviously pre-internet. We're talking 70s, 80s, up to the early 90s. And each episode of this show runs about an hour long and just deals with one of these. They kind of get four or five people who were around, and they just kind of gather them around a table, and they kind of tell stories. And they've got all the footage from the shows back then. They do that Dark Side of the Ring thing. Where they'll also do like a slow-mo uh, reenactment with lookalikes, that type of thing. Um it's been mixed results, but definitely the first episode, which is like the Memphis area. I can't remember the name of the company, but it was like owned by Jerry Jarrett, Jerry, the King Lawler worked there. Um, it was wild. It was like, we're talking about, Oh, Jimmy Hart. That was the other guy who worked there. Um, we're talking like Jimmy Hart got like shot with a blow dart in the ass when he was like, come goods like the, what? Because the crowds were insane. Because the goal, the goal was to work the crowd so much that like, especially if you were a heel, like you wanted them to want to kill you because then they would come back the next week to watch you get your ass kicked. Oh my God. That's amazing. Like, and so like (laughs) Derry Lawler tells this story where he's coming out, he's going to his car and he's like, I see this guy standing at the edge of the parking lot, just kind of like tossing a brick in his hand. He got a real nice brick. I turned to the guy and I said, if you throw that brick at my windshield, I will run you over. And so he said, I get in my car, throw my shit in the back. I get in the car. 
Start the car. He comes up, launches the brick, windshield shatters everywhere. I gun the gas and the car just goes ka-chunk, chunk, chunk, because they had already slashed all four of his tires. Like, <gasps> uh, that's on Crave if you're, uh, if you're in Canada. Don't know if it's anywhere in the States, but if you are, if you want, if you're a wrestling fan, if you watch a lot of these wrestling documentaries and you know these stories, these little YouTube documentaries and you want to go like deep, deep, this is some, this is some wild shit that I, none of which I knew before. I never heard any of these stories before I watched this show and it was, I had about three or four left. Very enjoyable. I had started one. That was the interesting one. I had started one about, um, a company that like a Polynesian company. And like, that's where like all these Tongans and Samoans who end up in the wrestling industry, they all came through there. I don't know if they ran out of Hawaii or, or somewhere in Polynesia, but like it was, I was just getting into that episode and which had its own story about like, you know, some getting the crowd works, you know, some heel gets the crowd worked up so much that they're hopping the rails to try to get at him, which means the timekeeper can't get to the bell. He was supposed to like ring the bell. So the baby faces could come out and make the save. Oh but God. the crowd's so nuts, they knock the bell over. The timekeeper can't get to it. The, the baby faces don't get the cue to come out and make the save. It's just the crowd like swarming the <laughs> oh ring. Like God. these guys are running for their lives from a, from mob justice. It's like, <sighs> oh man, the eighties were wild. And then drop the John Oliver quote: <laughs> "Wrestling is better than the things you like." Anyway, friends, check that out. Maybe I'll make Kate watch some of it unofficially she can come back and talk. you know what she, she, she may be over here soon we may block some time in so she can watch uh, some some selected scenes from from tales from the territories Amazing. it's wild Amazing. friends speaking of wild i'll take a break right here uh, I'm, I'm telling you right now jordan mm. you better have the will smith wild wild west song playing right now <laughs> i'm just i'm gonna slow it down i'm gonna play it chopped and screwed because that's about as much enthusiasm as I can muster <laughs> for the back half of this show. Friends, an errant comment from last week's episode on Tango and Cash landed me here. So when we come back mm. from this break, we are going to talk about another jewel in the John Peters oeuvre. <laughs> Getting some wild, wild wets when we come back from this break. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the thing we brought each other mm-hmm. because it is November Crapathon. I brought Jordan Crap. Yes, you did. In the form of Wild Wild West. But before we get into it, I'm going to quickly go over some rules. The first rule is the rule of three. If the thing comes in parts, we will watch three of them so the thing gets a chance to try and become the thing it's wanting to become but it's a movie and it didn't do that anyway so i think think this thing is still trying to become the thing it was going to become that that rule is out the window second rule hashtag save it for the pod that is the rule that we will not talk about the thing until we are sitting in front of these microphones which we did herculean herculean yes um the uh the third rule isn't really a rule it's a policy is that there there will be spoilers there will be spoilers, how, but it does not matter. How could you possibly care? If you if you care yeah. about getting 1999's Wild Wild West spoiled for you, if you've been saving it, think of your life, think about what got you here, and then just watch it if you're so inclined, or just listen to this podcast. Yeah. 
watch it, feel bad about yourself. Um, feel bad about yourself, but yeah. also good about yourself because you did, had no part in the creation of Wild Wild West and just, you know. Um, get at us on Twitter about <laughs> it, how we made you feel bad about yourself. Um, anyways, um, so I'm just going to get right into it. Wild Wild West is a 1999 American steampunk Western film co-produced and directed by Barry Sonnenfeld Son- Son- and written like that. Sonnenfeld, and written by, and this is very important, S.S. Wilson and Brent Maddock, alongside Jeffrey Price and Peter oh, S. Seaman, from a story there penned by brothers there Tim and John is. Thomas. If you have got that many people, writers, got that many people on a credit, that's you, you know. You're already starting from a bad place. Basically, loosely adapted, loosely adapted from the Wild Wild West, a 1960s television series created by Michael Garrison. Um, so, like, this was the uh, era when, like, they kept making movies based on old TV shows. There I were, mean, they do that now. So, we can't. but I mean, like, no, but like, you had like old, like seventies TV shows. Like, they were pulling from the seventies and the sixties, not like the nineties. So, you had like a Starsky and Hutch movie. You had the Brady yes. Bunch movies. Is everybody with that was that was your first go at like the IP recycle recycling plan? Um, yes. And I, I don't want to yeah. posit how we ended up with this, but this was just another old TV show that was like sitting there pre-existing. I don't, I, I'd never heard about it before this movie yeah, probably was announced. Nobody, but... Probably nobody had the rights to, yeah. and like, this is an idea. Um, most I'm importantly, gonna... most importantly, had ample room to insert a giant mechanical spider, but more on that later. <laughs> more on that in a bit. Um, in 1869, four years after the end of the American Civil War, U.S. Army Captain James T. Jim West and U.S. Marshal Artemis Gordon hunt for ex-Confederate General Bloodbath McGrath, responsible for a massacre in New Liberty where West's parents were killed. President Ulysses S. Grant informs the two about the disappearance of America's key scientists and a treasonous plot by McGrath and gives them the task of finding the scientists. Um... As I mentioned, this this movie stars Will Smith, Kevin Klein, Kenneth Branagh, Salma Hayek, Ted Levine. Um, mm. It the budget was one hundred and seventy to two hundred and forty one million dollars to make. Um, um, I so I had I have I have seen this movie before many years ago. Oh really? Yes, and then I force myself to rewatch it literally in sections because I could not sit and watch the whole thing. Um, yeah. Jordan, what'd you think? So I watched this at someone cute's house when I was over there on Thursday, I believe. So a few days ago as we're recording this, it is only by the grace of my notes that I remember anything, uh, that happened. I did watch, I watched this movie by myself Surprisingly to no one, someone cute was not interested in watching this movie with me, nor would I have asked her to, because I care about um, her. Interestingly enough, hmm. seeing on it, Chris um, very kindly set me up on the bed to watch it alone, because he also was not going to watch <laughs> it with me. Listen, this is this is the double-edged sword of Crapathon. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> the people you care about do not want to go on this journey with you. 
And you know Mm-mm. what? That is a, a journey we go on alone, my friend. Fair play. Um, so <laughs> I'm going strictly from notes here because most of what I saw in that movie left my brain. My brain was like, get this out of here. And it was literally <laughs> like it opened the door on on a plane. Like it just popped the cabin pressure and just like let this stuff like go out the back of my brain as quickly as possible. It's like we do not have room in here for this. So we are mostly going by notes. I will probably have forgotten much. But the first note I have here, as we established, this movie is another uh, John Peters joint. John Peters was mentioned last week as the producer of Tango and Cash. And notably the guy who ruined both early attempts at making a Tim Burton Superman movie and uh, an adaptation of The Sandman by his insistence on... It's not the only reason, but it's always the thing anybody ever remembers. His insistence and including giant mechanical spiders. Uh, <laughs> the man, the yeah. man just thinks that's box office. Yeah. Um, notably, I also forgot that uh, John Peters was the uh, one who commissioned the, quote, worst Sandman script Neil Gaiman ever read. The one he leaked to Ain't It Cool News back in <laughs> back in the late 90s uh-huh. so that it wouldn't get made. <laughs> That he recently copped to, <laughs> game and cop to that on a uh, recent episode or uh, a recent interview with Rolling Stone. That it was yeah. so bad, he made the same man, the Corinthian, and Lucian triplets. I can't remember which. <laughs> it was a lot of fighting and punching and who's going to get the ruby before uh, the millennium passes type of vibe. <laughs> Neil Gaiman was like, yeah. hey, Harriet ain't cool news. Why don't you post that whole thing and let people, <laughs> let the animals tear it apart? Anyway, the first note I have is Tango and Cash was produced, was released in 1989, and Wild Wild West was released in 1999. And what had we learned in the 10 years, in the decade, between those two movies? And the answer is not much, y'all. Oh, no, no, no. There are some lessons here. Oh, you learned some lessons? Share with me your lessons, Kate. Okay, so one of them being more mechanical spiders. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is... Definitely more misogyny. Just you gotta so, like really so much. Just pile that on so much. Basically, I think that's it. That's it. Just giant spiders and misogyny. Um, so this movie thinks it has a lot of cool. I'm pronouncing it like that because it's K E W L ideas about stuff and the things you've never seen before in a movie. Caitlin right. said steampunk when she gave the rundown of this, and at first I was like, huh, but also, yeah. Um, because you're, you're pairing here, Will Smith as Jim West, possibly the least charismatic Will Smith has ever been in a role anytime. I'm including after earth in that, like the man just, this is, this is the, for peak nineties, independence day, Will Smith, this is, this is tough. Yeah. Well, this is the, the star has fallen, right? Like, or starting to like descend. Yeah. I have not looked at his IMDb page to, you know, position where this movie falls on his overall uh, arc, but this, this was not the move. Um, and then Kevin Klein. So Will Smith is playing Jim West. He's, he's the, he's the, he's the buckaroo. He's the, he's the gunslinger. He's the one to shoot first, ask questions later, the manly man yeah. action type and Kevin Klein. The having, having sex in a water tower. Yeah. Caitlin. That is unsanitary. You gotta have sex somewhere. So why not be a water tower? Um, and Kevin Klein, who delighted to see, where'd you go, Kevin Klein? Did this movie make you retire? <laughs> you ain't been around. You ain't been around in a while. I hope you're enjoying retirement. If you did retire, Kevin Klein. 
but uh, he is, you know, the, the what is his name? Artemis what? Who cares? Um, yeah. Artemis. <laughs> I kind of have the same. I was just like, oh. He's the science guy. He's the nerd. He's got the gadgets. Um, so he needs gadgets that are supposed to be plausible for the time period. And it was around the time we were using a human head as like a camera. The last image a person sees before they die are burned on the retinas. We just have to shine a light in the back of this dude's head. We'll see what he saw. Crystal clarity. Woof. Um, also, the next note I have. In, so, okay, what's the plot here? Like Kate said, they're going after Bloodbath McGrath, who for some reason has like a Victrola horn in the side of his head. Oh, it's so gross. So gross. So nasty. As far as I can tell, it exists only to make a reference to the RCA logo when he finally gets killed, which I mean, slick reference. Like, mm-hmm. who was checking for the RCA logo in 1999? Was that a real, well, a real hip, hip one with the kids? Like, no, no, no. That's that's the his master's voice. That's much more like bigger than the RCA logo. I would disagree, but oh, okay, all right, fair enough. Um, there is some like, okay. The problem, the big problem with this movie, besides it being terrible, <laughs> is that there are glimmers, just tiny little pieces of potential. Oh, like, I, just, I am curious to hear these. Please. So, so things like the thing about, like, the, the last thing he saw was on his eyes. It's like, that's like a, a, a reference to something, right? Like, there are these tiny pieces. The, the, and fans of steampunk are like, you know, we don't get a lot of steampunk in media, right? They're not really supposed to be possible, like plausible, but, you know, it, it's supposed to t- take from a lot of different, like, um, stories and there's a lot of different information that they could have done. And there was, there was actually, I feel like maybe this started as a really neat idea about a steampunk Western. And then this is the same thing that happens with, like, having that many writers. I'm sure there were, like, literally 50 producers. <laughs> and there were, like, it just got cut and pasted. And there were so many questionable choices. And I weirdly think that Austin Powers had, like, a real impact on this film. Really? Like, it has that vibe of just, like, the level of misogyny. <laughs> That they think is funny, but but isn't. So um, it's yeah. just gross. To that end, I mean, another note I have here is so in the search for Bloodbath McGrath, who uh, spoiler alert does not end up being the big bad. More on that momentarily. Um, it's later in the movie when they get word that Bloodbath, Bloodbath McGrath is working for the previously assumed deceased General Loveless. Yeah. Played by Kenneth Branagh doing his best Foghorn Leghorn impression. Well, I was, I, the whole film, I kept on going, what is he doing? I like, I I literally have written down in my notes, Kenneth Branagh, what have they done to you? Like, (laughs) you are a royal Shakespearean actor and you, you know, the business demands compromises at times. I understand the bag must be gotten, but this was, I swear, I do swear. It was Agent West. It was um, it was a hard, 
a hard listen. And also, <laughs> and also he's he's missing half his body, so uh, let the weird racial yeah. and ableist jokes fly because 1999, um, the racial going from Kenneth Branagh to Will Smith and the ableist going from Will Smith to Kenneth Branagh. Um, so they're staking out this party that yeah, they get word that Bloodbath, McGrath, and possibly... Dr. Loveless, Dr. Loveless, Colonel Loveless, what the fuck is his name? I don't know. I don't know what his title is, but he's... Do we Do we care? No. That's the, that's the thing. It's just, you don't have it in your head anymore. I've seen this twice now, and I don't have it in do my head anymore. Do you know I almost rewatched it this afternoon just to get the details right, and then I put that plan to bed real quick. <laughs> it's like, I'm not... No, you do not get another two hours of my life for this movie. They're staking. That's just the that's just the office. Like the no, 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 no. God, please no, no. They're they're staking this out, or they they mean to stake it out, but you know Will Smith thinks he's got everything under control all the time, so he just barges in, and you know has a little face to face with Loveless. Um, and then should also be said as part of the misogyny Caitlin was referring to, um, Loveless has a harem of scantily clad women that just kind of hang around. I think they thought I think they thought they were being like, you know, feminist because they're like, I don't, I don't know that they, they did. They're like, they're like, I'm I'm absentmindedly clicking my AirPods case because that's how much I'm trying to focus on. I thought you were just like slowly smacking your fists into your hand as the rage of having to watch this just overcomes you. Um, Um, No, these are the names. It's. (laughs) Um, I know, I know Munitia was one of them. Yes, Munitia. She's the gun one, y'all. Yeah, Miss Maylee East. That's what I want to talk about. Maylee East. East meets West. They say it 500 times in the seven minutes that Bai Ling, <laughs> actress Bai Ling, gets any screen time. Her role in this movie was to uh, try to seduce Will Smith, show her ass in a G-string, and then get shot. Yeah, and that then was the of course there's totality of her role. There's Miss Lippin Reader. <laughs> she reads, um, she reads lips, y'all. Yeah. Uh, and then I can't remember if she's at the beginning, but Frederic Van Der Waal as Amazonia. Mm. She tall. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's. Listen. Anyway, all, all, the the plot here is ultimately um, <sighs> Kenneth Branagh was a Confederate general. He hates that he lost in the war, and the idea is to get basically divvy America up back to the colonizers. <laughs> yeah, what a plan that is. Woo. Spain, whatever you have, we're going to give it back. Uh, we'll give we'll give the British back some of this, the French back some of that, and uh, this little corner in the north, the northwest, will be uh, that's will be loveless land. I'm gonna live there. That's mine. How is he going to accomplish this with the magic bullet, the nuclear codes, the Targaryen dragon that is a giant mechanical spider? Yes, it's here. It's finally here. John Peter's life work. He finally got it. Finally got it. A giant mechanical spider. Which, oddly enough, I don't find the least, like, stupid... I don't find the most stupid invention in this movie. The magnetic collar (laughs) saw disc thing is definitely the most, like... The worst Bond plot, like, assassination machine ever. Yeah. Like, (laughs) 
That's it. You have guns. <laughs> you have used them throughout the movie. If you want to eliminate someone, you don't need to make a giant magnet with a circular saw blade that chases them through a cornfield. What? But it gave them an opportunity to put a spider on the saw. It's his, I guess that's true. It's his motif, right? The, the, the brand, the brand is strong. <laughs> yeah, the lapels with the spiders being the nipples of the women's outfits. Oh, see, Very you were paying much closer attention to the details how, of this I, film. I, than how I was. could you not? I was like, this is, this is so unfortunate. Caitlin, did I not? Then do- I thought about all the stuff you made me watch, and I was like, oh, I don't feel so bad anymore. Caitlin, did I not tell you about the week Twitter had last uh, week? I was clearly yeah. occupied while I was watching this movie. Huh. So, yeah. I mean, the only... The one thing I was like, okay, is that Selma Hayek was not a love interest. She was an, unre- I mean, she was an unrequited love interest, but... But you didn't kind of know that until the end. She Not still ended end, up no. kissing Will Smith, which I was like, I I still feel like her husband would have been mad about that. I mean, but, probably. Who knows how they got down in the 1800s. Um, but it was 1999. So also like, of course, Selma Hayek has to be partially unclothed and with her butt out and kiss Will Smith. Butt crack twice, y'all. Yeah. Twice. Because can't just exist. Got to exist as a butt crack. Thank you, Academy Award nominee, Selma Hayek. Caitlin, this movie is terrible. It's not even fun terrible. It's just terrible terrible. (laughs) It's a little fun terrible. Little fun terrible? What was fun about it? A little fun terrible. Just because it's so terrible? You know what? I'll, I'll give you the train. The train was cool. The little gadget train. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. There was some banter that wasn't too bad. Was there? Kind of. <laughs> kind of find anything that's like Kevin Klein inexplicably part- playing the president and his character. But that made it funny, Jordan, because then when he was impersonating him, he looked so much like him. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> Friends, yeah. Oh God, how do you like? It's just, it's the worst. 90s blockbuster excess right where it's just like this is like this is i feel the not quite but like the predecessor of transformers but i feel like even like the transformers movies like michael bay not good michael bay movie like i know they're not good but they like this is a very low bar but like they're better written. (laughs) they're better written like the dialogue is better like Movies of this caliber of writing today go straight to like Tubi. Yeah, that's that's fair. That as is a, fair. Which, as I have said before, is like the Honest Ed's uh, Dollarama DVD section of streaming. Like it's just the movies. You're like, I know all these actors, but when did they make this? Um, <laughs> you know, I find that a lot these days. <laughs> Something will come up, and I'll be like, When did they make that movie? Did- and it's like four years ago, and I was like, Oh. <laughs> When did that happen? But yeah, the difference is like this movie made today goes on Tubi. In 1999, this movie was like the uh, 4th of July weekend opener. Yeah. You know? Unfortunately. Unfortunately. So, I mean, uh, salute to the growth we've made as a culture in the 20, 20 years. So, really, that is that is what this movie has given us. Perspective. It's given us, it's given a us low perspective. Watermark. It's, 
<laughs> a low watermark and perspective. Yes, that's what it's given us. So for that alone, I guess you get a four. Yeah, four that's pretty generous. Like four because i i like the steampunk and gadgetness of it i mean i always say like if you if you work as a movie you get at least a five i think this worked as a movie but i'm like it it was a movie but it's just i hated it so yeah like you're going you go through the motions with it and you kind of you know what's gonna happen it's not particularly clever um again i'm sorry uh, and just like the rampant, just misogyny is just like, ugh. the sexism, sorry, maybe not, not the hate of women, but the, the obvious sexism and it's just like gross. There were, there were, and listen, the amount of, I don't know if this is a John Peters thing too, but the amount of drag <laughs> in these two movies, Tango and Cash and Wild Wild West, the sheer yeah. amount of drag that has appeared in these movies thus far. Kurt Russell, Kevin Klein, and Will Smith. All in drag throughout these movies. Like just the goat the go-to. Ha ha, how embarrassing. They're dressed like women. Um we can say that the, the drag did get better from <laughs> so, for ten, Okay, ten yeah, okay. We'll give we'll give yeah. them that. Um and also you gotta give the um the movie credit for uh for winning five Razzies. Oh, five. Yeah. Rattle them off, Kate. Um, I don't have all of them, but the the two ones they mentioned in the Wikipedia article are the worst picture and worst original song for the song Wild Wild West okay, by Smith. Now we have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> we know I love when rap songs explain the plots of the movies they're on the soundtrack to. <laughs> How many times have I wrapped the entire bridge of On Our Own by Bobby Brown, which was from Ghostbusters 2, where he gives out the entire plot of Ghostbusters 2 in the rap break? It is. It's kind of amazing. It's perfection. Men in Black was fine. This one is ridiculous. Wild Wild West is, is he's rapping in character in the present day, I guess. So you're saying, oh, I was going to say, is he a time traveler, which makes sense. For the genre. Mm. Or did he invent rap in, <laughs> to, to Jim, in the like 1860s or whatever? Did Jim West invent hip hop? I got to go back and watch the video. Maybe there's an explanation. I'm sure there's a canon explanation for how this happened. How Jim West was rapping like 90s flow, explaining his life <laughs> to a yeah. contemporary audience. Yeah. Oh, four. Did you even give it a score? Same? Uh, yeah, four. It was four. But that for me, it was like... <laughs> It was going through the motions like, like four, it's a film. I did like some of the steampunk elements of it. I feel like at one point this started out as a good idea and just, it just got chewed out and spit into other people's mouths. I just feel like by the end of it, no one, no one wants that. Friends, friends, I have, I, have nothing, I have nothing else. That's it. That's the that's the that's the show right there. The movie has been chewed up and spit into your mouth, friends. If you want to thank Caitlin for the vividness of that visual, hit us up. You are welcome. For the time being, twitter.com slash geekdownpod. Otherwise, I don't know I don't know what's gonna top it, but we will I will try to find something for next week. Which will be, I got, it's got to be good because it's episode 300, y'all. We, we, I, I don't know if you remember, we decided we were going to go to back to old format for this episode. 
uh, for 300 and give each other something to watch. I don't remember so, that. Tell me off mic. I forget what we were going to do. <laughs> oh, we know we didn't have what we were going to do. We were just going to both give each other something. Um, so we're going to try and match it up. Still Crapathon so, or? Still Crapathon, of still course. Still Crapathon, but back to format. Oh my God. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of crap for one week, guys. It's going to be a time. We're just going to be shoveling extra spike, extra supersized tray of crap for you for episode 300. Friends, thank you so much for joining us for an hour and change every week. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you will join us next week for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. You've cut out completely. Not on my end. Jordan? Not on my end. Not on my end. It's just your end. I can hear you. Jordan. But you can't hear me. No, we're almost done. I can hear you, but you can't hear me. I have not cut out. I did not cut out. That was your shit.